With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Fulhamish is backed for the season by Ladbrokes. Hello and welcome to Fulhamish, your independent Premier League podcast. I'm Sammy James and today we're going to have all the reaction from Saturday's unbelievable game one of the best footballing moments I think all of us have ever experienced and well today it's a packed studio we never normally have more than four but we're breaking all the rules today I've got five of us uh, in the studio a top flight team chief of Premier League away days Don Betts hello hello Div 1 Drew Heatley hello first tier Farrell hello and after Saturday I promoted him Senior Secretary <laughs> Jack Collins, how are you doing? Hello, listeners. I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? More important, you look like I'm a bit of a wreck. Yeah, I'm not sure what's going on. I haven't really recovered. I think you look swishing his uh, his shirt. I've got. Uh, you know when like divers come up too fast and they get like the bends. <laughs> that's, that's how I feel. Like, I think my body has not accepted the fact that we're going into a Premier League trajectory yet. And, is, um, is dealing with it in all sorts of funny ways. Look, it was an absolutely incredible day and uh, today we're just going to be focused on what happened on Saturday. Uh, there's loads of potential subjects we can cover like transfers and new season stuff and all of that, but we've got plenty of podcasts in the summer uh, in the beginning of the season to cover things like that. So I think today let's just remember Saturday talk about what an incredible day from start to finish it was uh, and then we can cover that other stuff as I said uh, in the future uh, let's do some three word reviews from Wembo Jack what came in Jack and Loz opening things as usual with a moving magnificent monumental there's some fantastic ones Fulham in Florida with Tom our way Tom Great Rex Mon the Clappers Hmm. Uh, Dawn Dunlop with John Terry's tears, Steve <laughs> Clapper's Kenny celebration, Richard Bamba football one today. Well, John Terry's tears definitely came down at around midnight on Saturday, absolutely steaming down uh, as we try to get ourselves from Hammersmith to Putney. I mean, I've never known a thunderstorm like it. It was kind of mad. Well, I do have to give a shout out to DJ H, who didn't three-word review, but he did reply, we didn't miss Malone ultimately. Hey. So <laughs> I'm glad that we finally cleared that one up, mate. Just to say that this season, Fulhamish has been backed by Ladbrokes for exclusive specials and promotions. Head to bets.fulhamish.co.uk. Maybe you can bet on how quickly England will get knocked out of the World Cup. So, let's have a a double kick off. Yeah, we're going to win it. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) 4-4-2, Kane and Vardy. It's all you need. (laughs) Drew, I'll start with you. Your memories, your thoughts, your experiences. What's going through your head? I mean, what an absolute day. It was, you can't beat it in terms of just the best Fulham day you've ever had from the the pub at the beginning of the day, the Fulhamish Elds of a Punch takeover. uh, Thank you to everyone that came. Yeah, it was brilliant. Big up. Fantastic baps on show there, uh, so to speak. (laughs) And just to walk out at Wembley and see that wall of white, it just took my breath away. I think I stood there and a little tear fell from my eye as I walked out just to think, God, this is actually happening. And it was a funny one all day. I just just felt confident. I didn't feel nervous. Nervous. The last two minutes of extra t- uh, injury time, I felt a little bit nervous. But other than that, it, I just felt this weird calm all over the whole day. And it, it was just brilliant from start to finish. Farrell, it felt like Fulham really turned up. I don't know if I was biased, but it just felt like the fans were in full voice. The white wall worked so well, like so incredibly well. It felt like everyone was really up for it. And I'm not saying Villa weren't. But it just felt like something in the air, like it was going to be our day. And I don't know if it was just over-optimism uh, before the game that is natural, but I it, it felt special. Yeah, it felt special from my point of view, I'm sure, as the rest of the Fulham faithful um, can attest to. But I think the, the testament comes from the reaction of the Villa fans um, as well that I spoke to afterwards. And they all felt the better team won, the better fans won. They were just so totally blown away by the White Wallers, as we all were being being a part of it um you still sound like you're blown away by the white wall <laughs> oh, well, I have li- it feels like i've 
like ran into a white wall <laughs> and my voice has suffered for it. You can see, you could probably hear how how uh, how I'm a how I'm a changed man over the weekend, and I really don't want it to end. <laughs> um, Dom, tell us about your day, start to finish. What happened? Well, World Cup's still absolutely steaming from the Friday night. So Good start. So headed straight to the outside of Punch. Stayed there for like an hour off with all you guys. Met all your fans. Yeah, obviously. Big 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 up the fan base. <laughs> <laughs> then headed over to the Rocket, stayed there till about one. Then we headed across. Got taken got ended up on the BBC Sport live feed, picture of all of us at AJ Road Tube Station. We were, oh, were you I in that? I saw yeah. that I saw, I saw that this morning. I'm I didn't recognise you in yeah, it. No, I'm like right at the back. But ah. But I can't remember. Oh, we were singing. Oh, um, here we are, and here we go. The, Cab- the Cabano version um, <laughs> for like half an hour straight. <laughs> then got. Then went. Obviously went to William Park. Went to the Torch. Mm-hmm. The Re- Torch was absolutely spectacular, wasn't it? Oh, it was unreal. It was unreal. I was standing on a table. My mate said he still couldn't find me. I was like, well, I'm literally standing on the table <laughs> in front of the pub. He was I just got- blinded by the white wall. Exactly, mate. Exactly. But yeah, then headed across to the ground. Made sure I got there for the national anthem, obviously. That's the most important thing of the day. <laughs> and then saw us, yeah, beat Villa. And then, yeah, was out in Putney until about two or three in the morning. Then was back out in Putney yesterday. Got to the pub at 12, got home about 10. And then, yeah, I realised this morning, it's the first time I was sober since about Friday lunchtime, so. I've got a funny story about the national anthem, actually. At half-time, two, two uh, kids... Um, Started, uh, they actually recognised me from the podcast, which is quite, which was quite nice. But then uh, their dads both told me that when they heard the national anthem was going to be sung by O'Farrell, the the kids thought it was going to be me singing the national anthem. What was the woman's name that sang the national anthem? Farrell Smith. Oh right. Yeah. I mean, who is she? N- Nothing would have made my day more... I didn't think my day could get any better, but if you'd have sung the national anthem... <laughs> With this voice, definitely, yeah. it would be good. <laughs> I'd like to see you do that note at the end. They, they always go up, don't they, oh, the singers, yeah, yeah, yeah. and like, no-one else tries. Yeah. No. Or maybe you tried, given your voice. Oh, I, I was. I probably was belting it out. Like, who was, who was that one that did the Super Bowl one? That did the national anthem of the Super Bowl and did it for like in a really weird version? Wasn't it Fergie from the Black Eyed Peas? Yeah, that was it, yeah. Oh, that's horrible. God, we've hit the tangent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's early, Already. It's early for us to have hit the tangent, boys. Let's get on to the game. Jack, I'll start with you. Yeah. I thought that Fulham just in the first half were, were brilliant. Like, they just turned up to the big occasion. And what we were saying in all the pre-match hype, and we said, look, Fulham are the better footballing team here, and we were all a bit worried about our bottle, about our character, but we all said, if Fulham turn up, we will win this game. And that is exactly what happened. Villa just seemed content to try and sit back and soak up the pressure and ultimately it didn't work because Fulham just bossed them. Yeah, 100%. We were fantastic in that first half and I think no one could have hoped for for more in terms of the performance. Obviously, it would have been great to have gone in 5-0 up, but in terms of how Fulham dominated the game from start to finish, I really did think we were exceptional. And you know, it's testament to how good we were that you saw the likes of Adoma and Snodgrass pinned back on the edge of their own box. You know, not being able to utilise that kind of break that they use so effectively against Middlesbrough. And we said that if we got them backpedalling, then it would be a great asset to us because, you know, Lewis Graben isn't a hold-the-ball-up kind of striker. He's the kind of, you know, player that looks to get on the end of, of swift breaks. And there was no one there to make those breaks happen because everyone was pinned so far in their own half. And that's such a testament to how good one the fullbacks were and, and how good Fulham were in, in possession. And if you heard Steve Bruce before the game, he said that he wanted to stop Fulham dominating possession on, like, what was obviously going to be a very hot day on a big pitch because it would tire them out. And Villa just weren't able to do so. They weren't able to get hold of the ball and get their foot on it. And in the end, that paid off with, you know, the Cessnion, what a ball. What a ball. And, you know, he went on so much about that experience, that experience that John Terry and Alan Hutton had, what, bisected by an 18-year-old with one pass. (laughs) Absolutely. Go on then. Have your experience. Keep it. And Kearney was magnificent. Not just in his passing, Drew, but also there's so many times he was the first one pressing down as, as Villa tried to make a breakaway. Some beautiful bits of skill as well, which... He turned up for the big occasion and, and was captain material. And I, and I think if we ever doubt him again, we can always hark back to what he did on Saturday. He really proved himself in every way, shape or form. Yeah, I think it was one of his best performances in a Fulham shirt in many months, maybe even maybe even ever. I mean, he was... I'd, he was, I'd, say, I'd go as far as say his career. I'd, I'd, I'd say career-defining. I, I, I absolutely would. think so. It was from from his, his attacking contribution to even his de- defensive contribution, he was 
just in control of the whole game and it showed throughout the whole team it made us so comfortable from minute one just having him in the middle of the park we it was almost like a home game the way we just used the Wembley pitch we were just completely if you look at the chances that Villa had we limited them to the whole game it just shows how how comfortable we felt in on, in the uh, in the Wembley surroundings and Dom lovely take for the goal as well but the ball from Sessegnon is really the the star quality in that goal. Oh yeah, he sold the Villa defenders like they're on Gumtree. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like it, it's just it, it, Kenny just has so much space there. I thought, like, how has he got that much space? And then obviously just buries it into the bottom corner. But sorry, Saturday was just too hot. It was so hot, especially down at Blue Block, like one one two, one one. Oh one, god, one, it was just, it was relentless sunshine. Yeah, like, I like hot weather, but nah. Maybe Maybe that's I'm weird. Maybe I've got sunstroke. I, I honestly had to have a glass of water. That, Irish, people skin of, that Irish skin of yours isn't very good for the sun. No, no, no a half-time beer. It was a pint of water. And I, you know, I'm slightly ashamed to say that, but I had to. Yeah, Weak I'll... mentality. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Sessignon, there's a brilliant tweet. And they did tag Fulhamish in it. So I'm sorry if I can't remember the name um, of who posted it. But it's, it's, from the spider, it's, it's from the spider cam. And it's of Sessignon's mm. ball just before um, he, he passes it to Kearney. And he says, it's 90... by Will Brooks." Well, okay, well done, Will. Ninety-nine out of a hundred players would have just given the ball straight to Kearney on the right-hand side, but Sessignon just had that awareness to pass it straight through the middle, straight into the channel. It was just delicious, and the weight of it as well. Like Kearney, I think they said on Sky Sports, did not have to break stride. It was just the perfect pass. Kearney also mentioned that it was probably the first time ever he'd actually broken behind the defence and actually latched onto a through ball. I, I was shocked. Because, I, I, I mean, in the moment, I didn't actually see who scored because it's the other end of the pitch. And mm. I was like, no way that could be Kearney. I was like, maybe Mitro? But yeah, it was such an un-Tom Kearney-like goal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's goals in the playoffs now is a run in behind and a slot past the keeper and a header from last season. Those are his goals in the playoffs. Like, two very un-Tom Kearney-esque goals. Yeah, he's the only Fulham player ever to have scored at Wembley. That's mad stat, isn't it? And yeah. also, McDonald to Cess to Kenny. I mean, does it get any better than that? Was it Johansson? I thought it was Johansson. Oh, was it not? Was it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, that was absolutely pinged at, at Cess as well. He did amazingly to like even come close to controlling it. And then Hurahan misses that tackle, doesn't he? And that's where the space freeze up because Hurahan's on the floor. There's a, there's an angle of it from the si- from the sideline and I don't think the ball is actually meant for Sessegnon. I think it's an overlap from Matty Target that's behind and you can actually tell when Johansson um, plays that ball forwards, Sessegnon's actually reacting to it. He, he was just no way expecting the ball to come to mm. him. Matty Target had, I mean it's classic Fulham that Sessegnon had kind of tucked in a bit you know, our, our wingers tuck in, leaving the space for our fullbacks to attack and usually we try and get it out to the fullbacks quite early doors, and that's what we were trying to do. But fortunately for us, we actually fell at Sessignon's feet, and, well, the rest is history. And the only real Villa chance of the half was probably uh, Grealish. It was a nice free-kick <laughs> move free kick. from, from mm. Robert Snodgrass. And then Grealish, I thought it was just greedy there. I thought he, he obviously saw the goal open up for him, but if you pull that back, we were in a world of trouble. Oh, I don't know. I, I thought it was probably the right... right decision to shoot yeah I thought it was the right decision he yeah. just didn't he just hit it right just wasn't a good shot yeah no, I thought that also like you had, you, there was a lot of players tracking I agree with you in terms of obviously pulling it back across is going to cause havoc in the in the kind of penalty area but I thought that the, the angle opened up for him to shoot and it's on his stronger foot and uh, you know anywhere across Bettinelli that's in the back of the net was it a shame Dom that we didn't maybe create a few more clear cut chances in that first half from our dominance. I know it doesn't matter now. But. No, it don't. Um, but not really. I thought it was always going to... Mitro had a header, which I thought... He... Yeah, I was expecting once we scored, maybe we'd scored two or three, but it's, it sort of, as the game went on, it felt like it was there wasn't going to be many more goals in it, and obviously there wasn't. So, no, not, not too vulnerable, but yeah, it was just like, we never looked like we were in danger of conceding. I didn't ever feel worried that we were going to concede. Like, I only remember, obviously apart from that chance, Grealish's solo run in the second half. I don't remember Betting only making that many saves. Yeah, I mean, Aston Villa came out very strongly in the second half, as you'd expect. Still didn't create too many chances. You mentioned Grealish decided to turn into Mo Salah uh, for around 30 seconds. But... Um, I like how we're using that instead of saying Grealish decided to turn into Lionel Messi for a minute, which is <laughs> such a Messi-esque run. <laughs> Messi, Salah, whatever it was, it was a, it was a brilliant run. I felt like Grealish was the only player that I was concerned might pull something out out of the hat. He was actually largely impressive. Um, 
Grealish. He was very tidy and he was definitely up for it. There was a couple of minor mistakes here and there and obviously the tackle later on in the game, which we'll probably come on to. Um, I thought that he was actually really impressive and it, it's actually showing what kind of the X Factor he has and mm. he's probably going to have a, a long and fruitful career. Let's come on to the red card now. Both the incidents, all the incidents really. Let's start off with Frederick's stamp on, on Grealish towards the end of the first half. I mean, what got me is it's right in front of the fourth official, Steve Bruce and Slavisa and in front of the entire dugout. And if that was a proper stamp, you'd have thought the entire Villa bench, Steve Bruce, everyone would have been coming out up in arms, like assaulting Ryan Fredericks. In the end, I mean, Steve Bruce barely barely flinched. He's obviously going like, oh, is that a foul? But he's not really like, if it was that bad, like... It just, it, it just it, looks worse in slow motion. It's one of those things where, look, Bruce has got his arms up already for the Fredericks, for, for Fredericks pulling back Grealish, which is probably a foul. Um, but he... He doesn't react at all. And the way he says it in his, you know, uh, thing afterwards in his press conference, he's like, oh, it was right in front of me, right in front of me. But his reaction is completely flat. He doesn't see it. Uh, and, and so if it's, you know, you're, you're completely spot on. If that is something that he was up in arms about at the time, which is what he made it out to be, then why doesn't he react? Why doesn't the whole Villa bench come out? If that was a proper stamp and you did it in front of, like, all the Villa subs, all the Villa coaching staff, they'd have, they'd, honestly, they'd have been on the pitch. Yeah, it's like Dobbs says, it looks worse than slow motion, but actually when you see it in real time, it's just he just can't get over him far enough. He's not, you know, he's not doing the long jump. He's just he's just jumped over Grealish, lands on him. Everybody sees it for what it is at the time, and, and I think it's an open and shut case, but I think Bruce has to latch on to something in his post-match comments, and, and he saw that, and he decided, obviously, that was an easy one to, to, to jump on. I don't know if it's Sky, though, getting making things more dramatic just for a bit of TV, but they were all adamant at half-time that it was a red card. But someone must have shown Steve Bruce after the game because he certainly didn't see it like properly at the time, like we all didn't see it at the time. You know, as as Drew quite rightly points out, that no, absolutely no chance in real time is he meant to do that, mm. unless he's got like the the lightning quick reactions to go right. There's his ankle. I'm going for it. I, I did. I spoke. Someone spoke to me and said, "Look, you can always move your foot. Let's say like you're on a trampoline and you're about to jump on someone. You always have that split second where you can move your foot if you want." But Brian Fredericks probably thought, "Off oh, your legs, there, mate. I'm not." Yeah, if I could stamp on Greedish, I probably would anyway. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the first time me and Dom have ever agreed on anything. <laughs> Um, and then Grealish's tackle on Kearney. Um, it's it's a there's lots of careless, but I mean Abubakar Kamara kind of inexplicably loses the ball in a very very dangerous place. Then Grealish kind of miscontrols it. I, I mean that tackle on Kearney. I remember thinking at the time like, boy, he's lucky to stay on. And it was the other end of the pitch. Yeah, um, he absolutely launches uh, Kearney into the air. Um, you know they. The, the way that sort of like fouls are kind of graded, you've got careless where something's slightly mistimed and someone got to the ball first. And then there's reckless, and that's ap- it was absolutely reckless. It's frustration. It's yeah. born out of Fulham passing it around and getting a lot more possession, and Grealish was getting wound up. And it was so, so late. I mean, late challenges, that, that kind of... That term has bowled around quite a lot when there's, it's slightly mistimed and some, you know, a fast winger gets ahead of like a slower fullback. But this was com- the ball was completely gone, even, like not even in slow motion. We're talking in real time here. The ball already gone by the time um, Grealish started to go down. It's one of those like back in my day when it's Terry Butcher with the bandana and all that. It probably wouldn't have been a red card, and in Sunday League, it probably wouldn't have been a red card. But in the modern professional game, when you see now how easily red cards are given for those kind of challenges, I definitely have seen players sent off for for a lot, lot less. And you know, you say about my day, it wasn't Grealish's day. He knows, he knows that's a late challenge. He knows he wasn't around in the days where these robust, full-blooded tackles were were the norm. And he saw the ball was going away when he even before he even went to ground. And I think if the ref had seen it, he gives a he gives a yellow. But if he's seen that properly, there's no way that's not a straight red. Dark Arts Johansson at the Dark Arts again, by the way. He wound up Grealish for the entire game. Everything he did, he'd just leave leave a little bit on him. Not enough to be a foul, but he'd give him a little dig, a little nut here and there, and it wound Grealish up no end. And when Grealish got his, you know, that moment where he loses the ball there and his frustration, pure frustration, he just launches into that challenge and he's a very lucky boy to be on the pitch. Did you see someone do a Johansson on... I think it was on actually a Steph Johansson as well. And to be fair to the like the Fulham players and them, they just got up and, you know, they called the foul and that was it. It might have been, was it Chester foul? Hutton. Yeah, could have been Hutton actually. Dom, let's come on to Adoy's 
uh, sending off. I can't actually remember his first yellow card. It was a yellow card. It was a yellow card. Yeah, it yeah. was just one of those things. Uh, that it was, made it, it was one of those things, but like, and also the second was definitely a yellow. There's, as there's well. no issue with the red card here. They're both yellow card offences. Is it just the fact that Grealish is still on the pitch? Yeah, Fulham fans annoyed about that, but I mean, with with Grealish's, I don't think it's definitely a red card in that challenge. I think it, it, you can get sent off for that, but it's like borderline in between yellow and red. It's the yeah, orange I card of, zone. I, 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 I fully agree with that. I don't think it was an absolute clear red card, but it very much could have no. been. And any and, and Jack Grealish having to go on social media about Fredericks' stamp, I'm thinking... Has he done that? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He just needs to grow up. Nah, he's he, being an idiot there. He I does, think. he does. Um, Absolutely but, horrible human. I mean, it was a ho- horrible moment for Dennis to get sent off, though, because... I was getting more and more confident. I was thinking, I, I just didn't think we were going to let this slip. I thought with 11 men, we were comfortable. And actually, the, the amount that Villa were pressing forward, I could see us more likely nicking it on the counter. So, Dom, how much did the red card change Fulham's game plan? Was it literally just shut up I shop think I made hope? our game plan better. We adapted so well to going down to 10 men. I don't think it actually affected our game that much. We just we just adapted our, the way we play. And apart it was, from it was, that, we just didn't ever press forward to try and get a second. Yeah, but apart, but in the final, you don't you don't you don't always want to risk that. No, like, and we we know we've been so solid defensively since the start of the year. If you just see how many clean sheets Bernelli's had, so I think it's not like it, it, we played better when we had Tam and Corson in, but we adapted our system to it and it was fine. I wasn't too worried. Like, if you think about it, better now, he didn't really make many saves, as mm. I said earlier. I mean, Norwood was brilliant when he came on in that situation. So, we had Nor- yeah, Norwood came on for Johansson, which I uh, the official website said was for an injury, but that can't be the case. Was Steph it? was uh, injured. He was, was injured, he? yeah. He okay. went, he, it was after the red card. In all that kind of melee, Steph Joe was on the floor calling right. for the bench. Okay, so that, yeah. Steph had a shot, which he shouldn't have taken, because Sess and Target were both overlapping, mm. but Sess kind of had a bit of a tame near post shot, and in that, he, he injured himself, and then Villa went up the end of the pitch and. Mm. Dennis got go. sent off. And then, uh, obviously, Callas on uh, for Kamara. We, it, Villa didn't have... It wasn't as if we were under the cosh for the last 25 minutes. Like, we were so comfortable even after Adoy went off, which, in hindsight, it's a little bit annoying because you all know what Adoy's got in him sometimes. He can he can do that uh, that little mistake. Uh, what was it? Brentford away as well. He where... literally adoyed in the first 30 seconds yeah. of the game. <laughs> Two things. He, My brother said... Jeez, the last time Adoy got an early yellow to me, and I was like, don't say that. Mm. And then it happened again. But also, um, Adam Porter put a tweet in to us saying I know we'll have loads to discuss but could we please mention Norwood's impact and that block he makes yeah, from Hurahan in the box is just absolutely exceptional and deserves immense credit for you know someone who's been especially in the last couple of months a very much a bit part player to come on and put in a shift like that for the last 10 minutes absolutely insane like sensational he was the perfect player that, that you wanted in that situation I was wondering how much longer Adoy had left on the pitch would if he brought on Callas quite soon anyway, knowing about the yellow cards and also Callas is that kind of player you want when a team's throwing the kitchen sink at you anyway. I think Adoy's time was uh, was probably going to be limited because I think Slav, like the rest of us, knows that you know the last thing you want to do going into the last 20 minutes of a game, if it gets a little bit stretched, you don't want either of your centre-backs on a yellow really. Um, so I think uh, he would have probably gone off and he's probably stressing out a little bit that he didn't do it uh, earlier to be fair but as you say he sort of recovered really well do you see how i think kamara was fuming to get like subbed off given the situation obviously it was totally reasonable but that's how that's just a mark of the man isn't it i thought it was a i thought it was a bad decision and you know me i'm very much a kamara critic and i thought he was brilliant on saturday um, but I just thought leaving him up top on his own to just run, just ping the ball over the top and just let him, lo- let him loose was probably the option. I know it's hard to take Mitrovic off, especially because of the kind of aerial presence he offers at defensive situations and how he's you know very useful for clearing corners and things like that. But I would have probably let Kamara run a mock up top. I, I don't know about you boys, but I have watched quite a lot of the, the replay on Sky Sports recorded at home. Twice. And <laughs> all he's done is drink and watch the replay. That's all he's done since Saturday. Um and they're very complimentary about Kamara on the on the commentary. They 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 were kind of questioning how come he hasn't been in the team earlier, like more more often in the past few months. But I mean, we're all we were all surprised here and and at the cottage um, throughout the second half of the season. What like how much of an impact he's had in the last few games? How much of an improvement he's had? Yeah. Mm. 
Fair play to him. The, the playoffs were a nice sort of crowning moment for his sort of progression this season. He's slowly, slowly sort of ascended and ascended as, as the months have gone on. And then I think the second leg semi and then this final, his performances in both have sort of been a nice sort of punctuation mark uh, to, to say, well, you've, you've done really well and actually you've probably got a place in the wider squad next year. Uh, obviously not not in the starting eleven, but he's, he's going to be a useful tool, I think, to have in your, in your arsenal. I think, you know, what's something we said at the start of the year was that we weren't, you know, Kamara wasn't good enough at the time, but not that he didn't have the potential to be extremely useful. And, you know, he's obviously gone out there and worked massively hard on his technical ability. He's, you know, he's learned from, you know, the players around him and both him and Font have come out and said how much they've loved having Mitrovic around to learn from him. And bear in mind, he's younger, you know, than much younger than Font. Um, it, so, you know, to hear that kind of thing from the squad it is such a, you know, a pleasant kind of, you know, it shows the harmony in the group and how they don't, you know, it's not a fight. And he was like, look how Font said, how can you drop Mitrovic? He's been so good. I just love training with him and learning from him and, and, and being around. And, and that's, you know, that's obviously so like crucial to the squad harmony. But Kamara has, has learned from everyone. And he needs to, if he continues that trajectory, then there's no reason he can't be a useful player in the Premier League. I think it shows uh, a lot of the comments and the celebrations afterwards from the players that they all pretty much saying how much they love playing for Fulham and they love playing this style of football. And, you know, I think even the fringe players and the players haven't played as often as they would like, they're all they're all amongst the celebrations if as if they've won the game. Like, you know, you see you see Font, who's hardly had a kick in the past uh, four or five months. He's just absolutely loving it. Um Cabano's absolutely loving it. Ojo's loving it and Ojo didn't even make the match day squad. And they're all they're all going like how amazing it how amazing it is and how much they love playing for Fulham. And I think that's just an absolute sort of just a huge credit to what Slav has done and build this squad. Um, we're going to take a break in a second, but I just want to get a few words from each of you about your emotions at the full-time whistle. I mean, I was in tears. I never cry at football. Like, I, I, I normally put things into perspective and I like, I don't cry at football, but I just was so tense, so nervous for that 25 minutes. And yeah, we were like reasonably comfortable in defence but it just had that feeling of if Villa scored they would win because I think if we'd have tried to go into extra time with 10 men um, for another 30 minutes it would have been really really difficult and the momentum would have been then with them even if it made it to a penalty shootout so just pure relief from me when that final whistle went Um, Dom start with you I held myself together yeah, I was probably more emotional at the derby game, to be honest. Um, I, was, I was just more, I was more just happy about anything else. I wasn't that emotional. Kept it together, like the big strong man I am. <laughs> <laughs> and then just go mental. Yeah, mate. Yes. I mean, obviously, when uh, Free from Desire came on, the whole stand went mental. I cried like a baby. Um, for, uh, no. for 10 minutes or thanks Tom um, <laughs> for like, it's good he's in a different room <laughs> for a good 10 minutes like absolutely just wept um, and I don't know I just I got overcome with the whole situation a little bit and I had like 18 of my family around me and I just went and like cried on everyone for a bit and then I went and collected the flag which was hanging up and sort of waved it around for a little while um, yeah and obviously then went mental I just let out several guttural screams as the full-time whistle went just roaring as loud as I could to the point where the next morning my whole neck was felt like it it was been ripped apart and just uh, my brother's grabbing me by the chest and squeezing as hard as he's probably ever done and he's a he's a big lad so that was quite painful and then just (laughs) grabbing my old man who came as well came uh, came to watch the game he's uh, retired and moved away now so he doesn't get to as many as he wants and we were just all just there and I'm just screaming like some sort of Mufasa wannabe. It was uh, it's quite uh, quite the experience. And Farrell, I imagine yours was cool, karma collected. Oh yeah, of course. I just sat down, um, had, <laughs> had a, a cup, cup of tea. tea. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the phrase I'll probably sum it up with was disbelieving joy um, at when the final whistle went. Like I, nice. I know Drew. Drew was a um, a cool customer, as we said. He was absolutely confident. But I mean, the last 10, 15 minutes, I was literally shaking with nerves. Um, and when that final whistle went, like it wasn't relief; it was just absolute um, a flood of 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 happiness had it, just washed over me. It was and, just like, is this what it feels like? That was what I kept. Yeah. I, I, I was like, what the? Oh my god, this is it! Yeah, 
I know. I, I, was, I was just thinking about the the like sort of similar ones, and you go back to the, the Hamburg semi-final, and you know the the famous commentary, and now you've got to believe it. That's 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 kind of what it felt felt like as well. You can actually play. You can probably play that whole commentary after the Hamburg game over what happened at the final whistle, and now you've got to believe it. A night beyond compare. I think it, I think a lot of people don't really realise, and, and a lot of, and, and people forget that we don't have experience of winning playoffs before. We don't have experience of winning cup finals, whether it's League Cup, FA Cup, uh, FA Vars, or the auto windscreens. Yeah, no Scottish Cup, mate. Yeah. <laughs> in the Toto. In the Toto, yeah, but uh, you know the Intercity's Fairs Cup, I think. Obviously, the Intertoto, I know it's a joke, but it doesn't quite feel that that was a competition that finished in August. Like, I mean, as great as it was, I love, I love to joke about it. Yeah, you're right. This felt real. Mm. We've never we've never had it. So when you know you mentioned the the Hamburg semi, you, I was sat there thinking, oh, we're in a we're in a cup final. I don't I never experienced how this feels. We actually made it to a final. The closest we got was the FA Cup semi in my life when Terry scored at Villa Park. Mm. Uh, a lot of uh, little narrative bit claxons throughout that little <laughs> sentence. But yeah, it's it, we we don't have these sorts of experiences. So I think it's very hard for us all to sort of compute at the final whistle. Well, as when I was reading the BBC Sport updates and big up Ben Jarman for uh, providing lots of tidbits on that one uh, during the day, um, and they, it just kind of sums it up when they're going like, "This is Fulham's first trip uh, since 1975," and then there was one Villa fan going, "Yep, I'm going today. It's going to be my seventh Wembley trip as mm. a Villa fan." And I'm like, oh, "That's just ridiculous." I mean, over on the on the tube down, uh, there was um, Coventry fans on the way to on the way to Wembley, and I couldn't couldn't not have a have a conflab with with a, a few of those and um they were like uh i just like enjoy the enjoy the day and they're like yeah yeah but you know we've been to wembley a few times before and it's just like but everyone else has done it and yeah. fulham just haven't i mean for coventry if they get promoted today it's their first promotion since 1967 wow also there's a stat about coventry that's something like they haven't finished this is the first season they finished in the top six of a league since like 1975 or something like that. Really? They've just been on one really slow downward slope. But they've still been to Wembley more than us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, well, um, in a moment, we're going to catch up with Ben because he was desperate to be on today's podcast. And Rightly so. Bank yeah. holiday trains and all that have, have scuppered his plans. So uh, join us after the break. Hello, I am Brad Hangeland, and when I'm not rubbing my thigh with cheese, I'm listening to the Fulhamish podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy James here with Jack Collins. Hello, listeners. Don Betts. Hello, hello. Drew Heatley. Hola. Farrell Monk. What up? And playing the kind of Sid Lowe role, if you've ever watched uh, or listened to Football Weekly, it's Ben Jarman on the phone. Hola. I'm coming in from a random Spanish town. Yeah, how is Spain, oh. mate? I was a Spaniard. Oh no, Carling, poor favor. <laughs> mate, it's amazing. On cloud nine out here. Did you sing God Save the Queen or are you uh, too tied to uh, your Spanish roots? Uh, no, I, I sung the Spanish national anthem. Uh, well, actually, the Basque national anthem because, you know, it's about the Queen. <laughs> Separatist. Yeah. <laughs> um, ben, <laughs> obviously, we've all had our thoughts on Saturday, so it'd be great just to. Uh, Hear what you made of the occasion and, and, and what it means for Fulham and yourself. For me personally, it was probably the best day of my entire life. Uh, to see Fulham win at Wembley to go back to the Premier League was probably a feeling that I'll never get matched ever again. Maybe the birth of my children might come somewhere close. Or like my it. marriage at some point would be, would be amazing, but I, yeah, I highly doubt it. Um, but yeah, seeing the, the whole day was just incredible from start to finish to meeting you boys in the, the old Suffolk punch to seeing Tom Kearney slot home in the 23rd minute to send us back to the promised land from, from minute one to minute 97. It was just an absolutely incredible experience. I thought our fans on the day were amazing as well. That's very, very special uh, for everyone involved. Ben, what were your, um, your immediate kind of final whistle reactions we've just got spoke through them Dom Dom obviously laughed at me and Sammy he said that we, we broke down in tears and said we were melts but I imagine your reaction would have probably been something similar well I'm not going to lie I also shed a few tears and I shed a few tears when I saw you after the game Jack um, I think like my first few feelings were just immense pride um, and how it was absolutely incredible that we managed to hang on for the final 25 odd minutes with 10 men on possibly the biggest pitch in England um, there were some absolutely gargantuan performances out there, especially from the substitutes that came on, uh, like the likes of Norwood. I thought was absolutely massive when he came on, putting some monster tackles. But I thought from the, from minute one, I always sort of had this this vibe that we were going to win and we were going to win 
fairly comfortably in the first half we were nothing nothing short of unstoppable and in the second half we were a bit nervous and Villa threw everything at us but I didn't ever think they were going to score um, but yeah amazing day yeah, because I, I, I said it earlier, I, I was never really that worried with them. They, as I said, they didn't threaten Bettinelli too much. And like I felt we actually adapted a lot really, really well to when we were down 10 men. Yeah, when the, the moment that really started to get to me was when they started to whip a few crosses into the box. I think that was a five-minute period, um, probably about midway through the second half, where they were flashing crosses across our box and really putting us under quite a lot of pressure. And then from there, that was when I really started to get a bit nervy. But after that period of time, I thought we really held our own. Um, and especially when we went down to 10, we used the ball really well. We kept it away from, from long periods of time. And we brought the, the most important players into into the match where we could. Like Mitrovic, I thought was Sterling, held up really, really well. Um, and then Kenny as well. There's a, there's a clip of him taking the ball out from the edge of our box um, into the opposition half and playing in Mitrovic. And, just eats up in seconds, doesn't it? And I thought Kenny was amazing. You know, winning winning the ball back ten times in one match as a sort of like the most creative midfielder out on the pitch is an absolutely amazing performance. Um, you won't have seen it, Ben, but the moment that you just mentioned about the crosses going into the box, Farrell had some weird shudder. I'm, sh- I'm sure it was purely coincidental, but it looked like some sort of PTSD um, recall um, from Farrell. But yeah, I was definitely nervous uh, when those balls were flying kind of into the box. And, and Scott Hogan, when he put that header wide as well, my heart was in my mouth. Um, what, were you, what were your opinions on the... Uh, kind of red card instance. Obviously, Adoy's was fairly clear cut, but Grealish's challenge and also uh, Frederick's stamp on Grealish himself. I mean, Grealish was basically involved in all of these controversial incidents. Yeah, Grealish was head and shoulders by every Villa player on the park, so it's not surprising that he's involved in all the flashpoints of the match. Um, as you say, Adoy's was really clear cut it's definitely a, yellow, a second yellow so you can't really argue with that at all I think he's just misjudged the flight of the ball and completely got the timing wrong on the challenge um, Fredericks in real time doesn't look too bad but when you slow it down it looks really deliberate and I think he's probably reacted badly because Grealish has sort of been a bit nasty with his prior challenge and there's a little bit of a swinging elbow but not too much so he's I also a bellend if the reference yeah he's oh. also a bellend with shit hair. classic bets commentary <laughs> if if you would have i think if the referee would have seen it a little bit more clearly he might have been in trouble and i think Grealish is is definitely it's definitely reckless it's definitely high and it's almost certainly late so i think it's three all of those three factors should have been a red card and i feel like the referee did slightly bottle it there and i think if he had been put under pressure by Bruce to send off uh, Fredericks in the first half, and we might have seen a different outcome. Ben, what was your evening like afterwards? Obviously, we we spoke very briefly after the game, and you were you were headed back east. But where um how how was your evening? What did what did you get up to for the celebrations? Spain isn't east. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I made it back to Baker Street, um, and then uh, I was in perhaps the hottest pub in the world, which is the Globe. Oh, yeah. um, and we watched the, the Champions League final with, with many, many beers and uh, many, many tears. I think um, there was a lot of Fulham fans in there as well. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was a really good night and a really nice day, just in general, to be honest. It wasn't, I, I don't think it was as mad as Dominic Betts's uh, no, like 6am finish. It never is. <laughs> to be fair, I still haven't watched the highlights of the Champions League final. I've only seen Bale's overhead kick. I haven't seen anything else. Well, I generally, Car- I, Carrius was brilliant. Got- yeah, no, I heard that. I heard, I heard he was top notch, yeah, some- top notch. Wonderful save. I heard Jermaine Pennant is no best mate, but um, well, I, I saw you across. I saw you across the platform at Liverpool Street. Where were you headed then? Uh, we were headed back home then. Yeah, uh, it wasn't too late, was it? Same. No, I was. I was found myself on my sofa with a glass of red, collecting my thoughts at about uh, 11 p.m. after a large Donna mix, uh, and then I saw these people nice. texting saying they're going this, there, and the other, and I thought oh, I'm getting too old for this game. Fulhamish. Yeah, I also sat there and I had it all on record and I watched it back with uh, with a few beers and then towards the end of the second half it turned into a couple of coffees so I just, you know, fallen asleep and I couldn't really take the whole nerves again. I knew what was going to happen but still, no, I can't, I can't, my heartbeat must have been at about 200 beats per minute for the last 20 minutes of that game. I was knackered after it. Yeah, after the game, I just wanted to have a nap and go to bed. It was a heat Yeah, well. it's sort of like the whole, the whole release of that 
just the anticipation that we were going to go up and then it happened and then it just felt like a weight had been lifted off my shoulder and for the past two days it's been shattered. Now my dad texted the next day and he said, uh, I didn't realise how much of an effect this this whole thing was having on me until now it's finished. Now I feel like so like so much less, uh, so less stress. Like it must have just wound everyone up for the last sort of week thinking about it. Yeah, I feel like my shoulders had been like so like massive, like big and tensed up and now they're just completely flattened. Uh, yeah, it's just... The relief is there. It's just such an incredible occasion for all of us, and obviously, it's the right result. Football won that day, didn't it? I suppose. Like, I yes, suppose that's the, the word. In the lead up, the in the lead up to that week, I don't know about you boys, but I mean, it was the slowest week ever. Well, I was last week. week. I was both busy at work. It sort of just flew by. And then, it, I mean, know, Farrell wasn't because he was out till five o'clock every single night <laughs> that week. Someone's been following my Insta stories closely. Yeah. <laughs> just pretending to look at I mean, spreadsheets at work. Oh, I've got a big important audit. <laughs> yeah, fake news. One of the biggest players been on the prowl again, isn't he? <laughs> ben, thanks for coming on, man. Um, I'm sorry you couldn't no make problem. it to be here in person, but it's good to get you on anyway. And um, I hope right. you don't put an invoice in for this. Uh, no, it's fine. I mean, there's not many flights back from Bilbao uh, at such short notice, but um, I'm glad I could come on and speak to you all. Alpa Ben. All right, lovely. Bye, See you Great. You all right? Dom didn't even like to say bye. Dom just went bang. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> just got to continue on, don't we, mate? Great to have Ben on, as always, and uh, nice we could get him on the phone. That phone bill will be expensive, though, all the way to Spain. Yeah, no, I was thinking that it's going to be... A, oh, it's EU roaming now. It doesn't matter, no, does it? Naki Williams can cover it, innit? That's fine. Um... Lads, let's talk a bit about the kind of celebrations. We've kind of talked about our own personal celebrations, but obviously um, the players after the game were loving it as expected. Uh, top two moments for me, definitely. Mitro's on fire and Mitro leaving his interview with Colin Murray on Channel 5 to join in uh, with his song. But I don't think anything can beat Marcus Bettinelli picking up a flair. And running When's his three-year ban coming? <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, and then... The camera panning to John Terry in tears. Oh no, that's oh. That, John Terry crying. Is if he if he now retires, it will be the greatest thing that's ever happened. So what? What since his slip? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, I love just John John pain. Terry crying is one. It's just the most beautiful sight in football. I think it probably is. I honestly just I've never felt so much joy in another man's pain. <laughs> Sir Jack Schadenfreude Collins. No, honestly, I'm just so sorry. I mean, I, I, I thought it was quite sad. funny when Ireland didn't qualify for the World Cup. That was that, mm. that was up there. Mm. there. There were tears, but they there would have been far more tears if it was Chelsea. That's the funny thing. It was kind of crocodile tears because he's kind of like, well, I'm not really that bothered about Villa. If it was Chelsea, it'd be a lot worse, I think. But still, nonetheless, it's a good thing that really uh, cringy contract clause just is totally irrelevant. Now, have you seen he's moving it? He's not going to play against Nottingham Forest because he went there on loan for six. Um, but the players obviously had a big night and uh, so did Shade and Tony Khan. I don't know where they went on the Saturday. It looks like they went to kind of Madison's uh, in St. Paul's Golden last line, mate. Night. Golden line. Is that where they were? Yeah, oh, line. I didn't realise. High Street. Um, I do want to know, the club looked really, really like bizarrely edgy I was like this is not this is not what I was expecting we're, like, not, we're not going to sleep he says yeah no I saw it and there was loads of like light up neon signs and all the champagne bottles and stuff and I was like what is going on instantly here? the boys taking Ryan Sessegnon out on a, on a session on a yes. session <laughs> um, I mean I was quite surprised though because they obviously had a, a big big night and then they were up by 7 at like 7 a.m. taking pictures with their medals and stuff like that and they all looked quite fresh. Abubakar Kamara slept with his medal. That of course was, he that did. Was lovely. Um, good on him. I mean, I'd probably do the same. So anyone got a spare medal? <laughs> <laughs> and then, I mean, for, for Shade and Tony, I mean, a great moment and, and they were there at the end embracing all of the players and it's been a tough five years for them. You know, they, they, they acquired this club in the Premier League and they saw it drop to the first division, the, the second tier, the championship, whatever you want to call it. And it's been tricky and they've learned a lot of lessons along the way. But finally, they found a winning formula. And for them, as much as us, it's they deserve they deserve all the plaudits. Well, it kind of shows their turnaround in popularity that when at the final well, when the in the in the in the celebrations afterwards, and then on the big screens, they panned up uh, to Shahid Khan um, in the in the stands, and there was an absolute roar of approval, and that just shows shows the kind of turnaround of, of, of popularity in the over the past few years. And you know, I just think it's absolutely deserved, and you know, they they deserve a lot of credit in this. Everyone is everyone, the staff, the backroom staff, the owners, the directors. You know, it's it's not just the players on the pitch and the manager; it's also them as well. 
Shouts out to Shah Khan for shaking everybody's hand in the entire press box, uh, in the entire box, by the way. Mm. He walked around, there was a moment where he walked around and literally shook everyone's hand before he went downstairs. I was like, that's nice. Or he's just saying, welcome to my gaff. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He's just being a good host. Thanks for coming, it's been real. (laughs) (laughs) It's just such a nice uh, sort of bit of a nice moment for for Shad in particular, I think. I think, I don't think it's too much of an outrageous claim to make to say that we probably would have gone down whether he had bought the club from Fired or not that year in 2013 and I think since then it's been a slow burn to get us back up but since he came in he's, he said look you know I'm the custodian of your club and in his in his, in his his notes that he writes on the website and in the programme he constantly refers to it as your club and that's not him distancing himself and saying I don't want anything to do with you guys it's him saying look I'm looking after your club I don't, I don't I'm not sort of controlling your club and I think you know he's, his heart's always been in the right place and I think he's going to do what is best for the club now we're up it's going to be really exciting to see what he's got in store he's said you know money it's not a problem uh so i think now i think the game's changed a little bit um and you know it's it's going to be great to see shad sort of lead us into this this new era and i'm really pleased for him i'd also quite like to go on the lash with tony khan yeah tony let's let's do it let's turn it up tones i reckon he'd buy a few rounds as well i'd love it mate he gets a dominant perignon in wouldn't he (laughs) (laughs) we'll take you out on the beers tony come in and see us Okay, well, we know how special Saturday was. It was an incredible effort from the players, the coaching staff, the Khans, everybody was there, but mostly the fans. I just thought it was so impressive. The white wall was in action and everyone found their voice and there was Fulham fans, young and old, those that go to every game, those that can't make all the games, those that just go to some, those that live abroad, and people literally travelled from all four corners of the globe. And, of course, there were still thousands and thousands of people watching on telly uh, wherever they were because they couldn't make it to Wembley, and so many were gutted that they, they couldn't be there for one reason or another. And everyone's tried to find the perfect words since Saturday to express how they feel and and there's been lots of very very valiant efforts and that's what we've tried to do today is find some words to express how much Saturday meant to us so we've got a little montage here from fans young old male female most of them who listen to the podcast uh, just wanting to express their thanks to the 11 heroes on the pitch Hello Fulhamish Pod, trying to sum up what Saturday meant, as you can tell by my voice, is still a little bit difficult. It's difficult to comprehend the fact that we had 38,000 fans in a stadium for a start and to have sat next to my dad and experienced that, but also had on my left a bloke who I'd never met before, but felt like my friend by full time, Fred, who was at Wembley in 1975 and It was not just a day for me and my dad, it was a day for people like Fred, who had seen a hell of a lot worse. And how terrible as well that John Terry should be on the losing side. The white noise of the white wall from our little club of 38,000 fans was just incredible. It was unforgettable. The eruption of euphoria at the final whistle was truly emotional. To have that day at Wembley, out in the sun, with people I love and care about and get to share that moment of watching my club, Fulham Football Club, win at Wembley was just a dream come true. Oh, Saturday was unbelievable for us as a family uh, here in Durban, South Africa. It was my dad who's been involved in Fulham for many years. The goal was amazing. It was like we were at Wembley ourselves. And then, of course, the last five minutes was nerve-wracking. But then when that final whistle went, it was ballistic. Shirts off going crazy because now we can finally watch our beloved Fulham back in the Premier League against the big clubs. Oh, that's what it means to us. For me, promotion felt irrelevant throughout the day. It was just all about the day out, all about Wembley. And particularly for those of us like myself who go with family from older generations, you know, we were starting to feel like it might never be our time, but it was our time and we made the most of it. Our new whites. I literally cannot put into words how much I enjoyed going to Wembley. I got to go with my dad and his best mate Bob, who I've been going to the games with since I was about six years old, and to watch Fulham win at Wembley just it just like erupted inside me and like I'm just so so happy to see Fulham back where they belong in the Premier League and I just can't wait for the next season. In 1975 we were underdogs and lost. In 2018 
We were overdogs and we won. We learned how to believe. We're back at the top and we're going to stay there. One of the best days of my life. Honestly, I've never felt so united and so lucky and proud to be a Fulham fan amongst all of you. I mean, I could lose my job this week and still be absolutely smirking as I walk down the street. Come on, you whites. We are going up. Yesterday was easily one of the best days of my life. And being 16, I haven't actually had to wait that long for us getting to Wembley. And for us to win at Wembley is incredible. Craven Cottage is going to be in FIFA. I don't think it's sunk in yet. That's the truth. Saturday was the best day of my life. To follow this beautiful, beautiful club through the highs and the lows over the past 14 years. That was, without a doubt, the greatest moment of my life up the Fulham, bring on the Premier League. One of the best days of my life was an absolute honour to stand in front of the white wall and basically <laughs> yell at Fulham fans and the fact that we went on and won it, it was, it was I still, I'm still in shock and it's an absolute dream. It's exactly what this incredible team deserved. It would have been so unjust to not have taken this team further and the fact that this team stays together and is gonna play together at the top level is just the greatest feeling in the world. It was a great family occasion and we had the best day enjoying the long overdue success. After decades of supporting Fulham, we can now finally say that not only have we been to Wembley, but we have won at Wembley. The man who started this Fulham road of three generations wasn't there with us, but was represented by sons, and daughters, mums and dads, aunts and uncles and grandchildren. So for us, Saturday was about creating priceless family days with our cherished family club. Come, Come on, you whites! It was a superb day with the teams being greeted by the incredible white wall, not just of the colour, but the noise as well. We showed that we're ready for the Premier League. Let's look forward to June the 14th. The fixtures come out when Fulham will rightly take their place back at the top table of European club football. Yesterday was just one of the days we live for as a Fulham fan. Fulham home the way the season's been a pleasure. But we don't win in front of 38,000 fans at Wembley, but we did yesterday and it was amazing. You whites. Saturday was an absolutely incredible day from start to finish. You could really feel the players enjoyed having us there and we're really grateful for all the support that everyone has given from the start of the season to the very end. I don't think I really considered the true ramifications of actually winning the game until the final whistle was blown. Watching the white wall erupt, the cocktail of emotions that only support in Fulham can truly produce at full time. Best day as a Fulham fan ever. I'd see my old man there who started supporting the team when it was in 1938. To have all my family there, my kids, all the friends and the wider Fulham family in the uh, fantastic white wall. See all the players celebrating the end like, like Bettinelli running around with a flare, Mark Maunders running around and seeing John Terry cry at the end. It was the best day ever. Come on, you whites. 26th of May 2018. Flags, clappers, the white wall. We've done it. We got our day in the sun. We got our win at Wembley. Thanks for listening today. Very much to be back. We are Premier League. You whites. Acast powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. This spooky season, have a listen to Let's Talk About Myths, baby! A podcast about Greek mythology that tells it honestly and often with a lot of gore, at least when it comes to these spooky season episodes. Every week in October, I have released a new episode with various levels of spooky in Greek mythology. There are ancient stories of haunted houses, ghosts, werewolves, general tragedy, and even a very bloody tree. Greek mythology has a little something for everyone, especially when it comes to spooky season. So listen to Let's Talk About Myths, baby, every week, wherever you get your podcasts. A cash recommends. recommends.